It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as I discuss a variety of topics, such as our current thoughts on Doctor Who, our different podcasting styles, and cloning in fiction. about commentaries and and sean was like yeah but you know it's so much trouble to like you know play the thing at home and sync it and then he said something like you know actually sometimes i listen to the commentary and this is like a recent conversation and in my mind i was like no shit i mean that's how i've always been doing it for years like i don't ever act i can almost never remember actually sitting down and actually playing both at the same time like the original content and the fan commentary um because yeah of course and going back to the conversation we we're having the other day i actually used to love listening to radio free scarl commentary just on their own um and i often found when i would just listen oh. to their commentaries um then i would want to go back and watch the episode or whatever they you know because it would like inspire me like oh wait i want to watch this again Oh, I thought you were talking about movie commentaries for a minute there. Well, I was talking about, yeah, all the same. Uh, why? What's the distinct? I mean, well, I was talking about commentaries in general. Yeah, like for movies. But obviously those are Doctor Who commentaries. Yeah, I meant like a director's or yeah, something like that. Oh, initially that's what I was talking about. But then I, I yeah, I switched over to fan-made stuff. Oh, yeah, I do it all the time. At least I used to. Like I've listened to all the SNS ones with the movies. Yeah, like probably like five or six times each i don't know if i've ever done that before <laughs> uh like with my, my own stuff i don't think i have yeah i used to do that a lot and i've even because i have all the john carpenter uh commentaries on my phone i even sat down and watched the movie and then synced it up to my phone once so i could just walk around and come back to the room <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i kind of miss there's so many other movies that i've been curious to watch their commentaries but i've never never bothered mainly just keep going back to the same old ones that I used to listen to, the John Carpenter ones. Well, I... Isaac, do you listen to uh, movie commentaries very much? Is that, I guess, with Avatar you do every now and again? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only one I, I do listen to. I admit I probably could do a lot better <laughs> and listen to more. Me I too. Just, I, I do <laughs> wish, yeah, that, that you could somehow easily put it onto your phone. Um, just so, again, similar to our you know podcasts where you can listen to yeah. it as a podcast I'm, maybe i'm asking too much it's the first world problem used to be easier and not as easy now since uh compute uh like um laptops don't come with the disk drives anymore that's kind of annoying that's a little bit of a hurdle i mean you can bypass that by getting a disk drive it's a separate, yeah, but... It's a separate one but i know you don't want to because again 
hassle, I guess. Well, it's just a minor hassle, yeah. And you gotta get it out, and... Unless you just have it on you all the time. Alright, alright, come on. You sound like a first world problem there, you millennial. Well, it, it is an inconvenience, absolutely. Especially when you used to just be on every computer would just have it. So. I mean, hey, it's it, everything's going digital now. No more physical media. Not to mention with Blu-ray Blu uh, drive discs. Those are a lot more expensive than the DVD ones, too. Well, hey, don't forget about 4K ones now. It's like, ah, do I really want to pay that? Yeah, 4K ones, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and all the Red Letter Media commentary tracks. I forgot I used to listen to those ones all the time with the movies. Not so much anymore. Oh, I've never listened to one of their commentaries. Yeah, their commentaries are just great. Yeah, all of them are, are worth it. You have to pay for them, though. But... I mean, how else are they going to make money? <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure that's not where they're making all their money. They, they rarely put out commentary tracks. Oh, really? Nowadays? Yeah, it's like, if you're lucky, once a year, but usually it's like every two years they'll put one out. Oh, wow. They were doing it more earlier, eh? Yeah, they first started doing it, I think, around 2013. And yeah, they were putting out like three a year at the time. And then around 2016, with Rogue One, is when they started to kind of fall off. Okay, I'm, I'm completely oh. dumb, Eric. I, I'm so dumb. Okay. Because, do you remember when we were doing True Lies? Yeah. And I said, like, oh, this, you know, this whole scenario, the whole movie itself feels like um, an episode Archer would do. And it wasn't until today when I, like, it hit me. I'm like, oh, you goof. Like, you completely forgot about this. This is like an American Dad episode. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. I hmm. should have realized that. Like, I did well, not. I, I'm less that. less likely to watch American Dad than try to start Archer. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't remember that fair. show at all. I watched like, the first season when it came out, but that was it. What'd you think? American Dad? Yeah. Oh, I was not a fan. Okay. <laughs> that was I around think... the time when I stopped being a fan of Family Guy, too. I was like, maybe I'll give this show a shot. And then I was like, oh, no, this this humor is maybe not for me anymore. Was it because of the, you know, politics at the time? No, I just didn't find it funny. Especially that alien character. I found him just kind of oh. obnoxious. Roger. <laughs> what, what politics? I don't, I don't remember what year that was. Uh, 2005. Oh, was it? Was it that old? Yeah. Oh, man. It was leaning heavily into, you know, Bush. Yeah, I guess I did start falling out of watching Family Guy when I was like 12 or, yeah, around 12. So, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> I don't remember being that old. Wow, that's that's crazy. No, that's fair. I'm just like, I wonder if McFarlane or whoever's show running that uh, show now has done a homage to True Lies. Because I feel like that's like an obvious you know, a reference to go to. Unless they've avoided this avoided it this long. Heck, there could be like a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode about that if they wanted to. I know it's not horror though, but like they could do that because then nobody would be like, what the heck are they talking about? They could do the abyss. Can they still do those? Wow. Dude, did you not see my oh my goodness. Did you not see the article I posted in the novice elitist Discord? Uh no, I, I must not have Oh my goodness, Caleb. I mean, okay. So, they were going to do a Death Note-inspired uh, episode. Or at least oh, a wow. segment in Treehouse of Horror. And they were going to have DR Movie animate it. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. And, like, it's to it totally works. Like, it's the first time, like, maybe not first time. There's been many attempts before for, like, Simpsons and Japanese animation to, like, mix and, like, this is the first time where I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to see, like, an entire episode of this. 
not just a segment. Yeah, you still watch The Simpsons? Is that, I guess, still on your radar? It's It feels like it's been like just buried somewhere for me at this point. Well, it's buried in Disney Plus now. Well, it was buried long before Disney Plus <laughs> for me. I probably tuned out after the movie came out, their first movie. That's around when I stopped <laughs> paying any attention. Back in 2007. But all the way, no, like, it's funny. Every, at least from some people I've heard since the acquisition of Fox by Disney, apparently their, like, quality has improved, which is a lot to say. Well, Maybe that's not much, but they apparently the quality Doctor Who. of the system. <laughs> huh. Listen, I, I, I listen to you, like, for an hour, or you two both going on an hour about, like, Doctor Who. I don't need to hear any more of that. <laughs> I just mean vis-a-vis Disney. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting. I mean, it's, what, what, what can we say? Like, Disney era whatever might be great for some, well, except for Star Wars, I guess. Well, well, I, well. I, I think at this point they're putting out the best things that they've done for... Plus I was gonna years. say it's a, it's a mixed bag with Star Wars, from the bad now, to the good to the excellent. Fair enough, I can I, I think you're right on that. Because <laughs> I think back to the '80s and it was like, oh, even George was pushing out those Ewok films. I mean, he, yeah, it's been a long time since there's been good Star Wars. A very very long time. So I don't know if they've ever done True Lies on Family Guy, but just a quick Google and well, I said American Dad, but fair enough. Tom Arnold has appeared in the show animated, and Jamie Lee Curtis's images appeared in a different episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm I'm saying where, like, with American Dad, they did a whole, like, homage episode uh, to uh, True Lies. So, where, like, Stan is the... Stan is Arnold, obviously, and then Francine is, uh, I guess, even though she knows he's a CIA agent, this actually might work in its favor more. So, Stan, even though he's a big a-hole, it's like... Now he's not... I don't know what the true lie would be in this case, but, like, she could be kidnapped as well, and they could, like, you know, uh, do action together or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I just I feel like that could actually be done. And you could have, like, either Steve or Haley be, like, you know, the kids kidnapped, even though, again, they know their dad is a CIA agent. Wow. Holy shit, I had no idea this show was still going. Wow. It's... It's like somehow, like, I, I, maybe I'm rude on that, but like, yeah, it still like exists to this day. Do y'all remember the slight to True Lies in uh, Captain Marvel the movie? No, God, no, I don't remember anything about that movie at all. Oh, I think yeah, I heard I, something where they made a crack at it or something. Yeah, because I was just come looking for homages on the internet, but it just came up. Uh, well, if you remember the movie, um, when uh, what's her face comes to Earth. Um, she crashes into the blockbusters and uh, mm-hmm. the first thing she sees when she comes to is a cardboard cutout like um, advertising true lies um, and she doesn't she doesn't like like the image and she like shoots out the face of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the cutout what really that's huh, weird that's yeah. uh... I wonder what the I wonder what the comment is there if there isn't any. Well, it's just a joke. The title of this article is um, "Captain Marvel takes a literal shot at one of the most sexist movies in the '90s." Oh wow, wow. Okay, most hot sexist take. movie of the '90s. Hot take. Yeah. Uh, what's the not not hot take? Uh, completely Flame. off base take. Flame bait. Flame bait. <laughs> I mean, again, we, we, we talked about it. It's not like 
I don't think it's the most sexist, but like, <laughs> one can make an argument for it being sexist, but like, I don't know if it's the most sexist. Now that questions like what other sexist films are there are are out there in the nineties. Like, oh, not what, many. Um, um, <laughs> what was that? What, uh, what was the Kubrick one called again? That's not sexist. I'm saying, but like somebody could like uh, eyes wide shut. Thank you, eyes wide. Somebody could like misjudge eyes wide shut, even though. I'm pretty sure there's Even though it's a movie movie. largely about a man who feels extremely emasculated. Yeah, I was thinking Samurai Cop. Samurai Samurai Cop's pretty damn sexist. Yeah, that's true. Or there's another one, uh, another one put up by that same director that's incredibly sexist from like the year later. So so again, these these ignorant, you know, maybe this most sexist movie in the 90s that they've seen, but they've probably seen like 10 movies from the 90s. Oh, you mean the writers, right? Or the (laughs) The writers, yes, of that. Oh my. Well, to, to make a comment like that, I mean, either that's just clickbait or or that's just completely inaccurate. Oh, my God. I'm just on IMDb, random list of most most sexist movies. And number one is Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Huh. Sounds like maybe a parody thing. I don't know. I, I don't think it's meant to be a parody list. It's just... Oh, The Wicker Man from 2006, number eight on the list. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh, but Isaac, did you, uh, since I put out Titanic today, did you see my uh, my little change that I put in there for you? <laughs> uh, you mean the, oh, you mean the, uh, what's it called? Just a little written response you get, or the description you did? No, no, m- maybe you haven't listened to it. Oh, well, no, I kind of was, you know, finishing up, like, Avatar, so, like... I yeah, well... It later, but, like, yeah, don't spoil it for me. No, I won't. I oh! Won't. I'm sorry, I just read the description of why Twilight got number one. Let's hear it. So, Edward, you know, finally, you know, marries Bella, his one true love, and and they have a... They consummate the marriage, and and from that act... Uh, Bella gets bruises on her body, um, uh, but Bella's character is perfectly okay with that. And there you go. That's sexist. Yeah, because it makes it look like if your boyfriend bruises you in some sort of way, it's no big deal. Huh. Okay then. I'm gonna put your, your both of your reactions into. Um, into the appendix of, of this ongoing joke book I have. Uh, I mean, this joke, ongoing joke I have with, with Sean, because everyone's wrong. Because Sean is like, you know, uber, uber liberal for the cause. But every now and then he says something, and I always say, uh, Sean, I'm going to put that in my book. Like, Sean says the most conservative things. Because <laughs> sometimes he unintentionally says something super conservative. And you guys just reacted like two, two conservatives to that. Oh, I don't think that's conservative. I don't. That's not the way I dictate politics. I think that her response there, or whoever made that list, that's a pretty limited point of view. Getting into kink shaming, perhaps even. Oh, the description isn't conservative. It's both of your reactions of befuddlement. That's the conservative part. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't think that's conservative. I mean, I'm more looking for the right word to use, but like, fair. (laughs) I guess like I give you permission to use that, but I'm just like, uh, like. What's this person's profile? What's their biography like? Like, what's or what? What, what, what have they like? Uh, what's their library? There you go. What's their library of references? I was just thinking how sexist of uh, or how uh, 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 
kink anti what's the word there <laughs> against kink that is to say because yeah there's lots of people who would not mind uh, leaving leaving the bedroom bru bruised that's yeah uh, i don't think that's sexist yeah i thought that's a whole thing with bdsm like right exactly yeah that's so this this i would say this list actually sounds rather conservative <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's consent right I mean, really like, if you consent. think about conservatism it does seem well like Maybe classic conservatism, but not modern conservatism. So yeah. you mean classic? Uh, what is the way it, conservatism was like oh, sorry, interpreted from like the fifties through but... the eighties. Oh, that I don't classic know about conservatives. That. <laughs> so ancient Democrats got it. <laughs> well, it's confusing, but yeah, because those are the conservatives who were the um, the ones who would. Uh, um, the ones who were like for extreme censorship and, and get their panties in the rough in a ruffle over the slightest thing. Can you remind me again? Still a lot of them. <laughs> well, it's flipped. It's flipped now. It's it hasn't. Flipped. It's flipped in some ways, but it, no, it's it really flipped hasn't. in tons of ways. Because uh, class. Okay, if you're anyone's old enough to remember, I mean, even older than me, but as old as me as well included. Um, back in the day, it was always. Like if you if you were to I know the term didn't invent, what didn't exist back then, but if you said cancel culture, people would automatically assume you're talking about conservatives in the day, because um, mm -hmm. they would. That's typically who you would think of from the fifties or even more bigger than that range. Um, but nowadays, no one would ever associate that term cancel culture as applying to the current modern day conservatives. It would only be applied to the left side. In, in, pre in present due day. to uh, the right wing being good at marketing. I okay, well that's I mean, that's, they're a, just that's as a much separate... for cancel culture as <laughs> they're just I, as much for cancel culture. I don't, I don't believe else. that. I don't believe that. I do. I don't. I don't know if you've seen some of the uh, the crazy articles or boycotts for Strange Worlds. Is it called the new Disney movie? Just on the basis of one of the characters being a lesbian, and all the conservative oh, right. Christian groups are coming out. Boycott this movie. We need to show Disney. We're I'm not, not saying that, does, I'm not saying like that doesn't this. exist, but the difference is those people saying those things, those conservatives are our statistical minority. Whereas when it comes to the left cancer culture, cancel culture, it's a statistical majority. So it's a huge difference. I don't know if I'd say that's true either, but, but okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a measurable thing. It's a measurable thing. Well, I do think the, uh, I mean, those Disney movies usually do pretty good numbers, and this one's bombing pretty hard. Oh, I know. I've been so. watching YouTube, video about, YouTube videos about it since this afternoon. <laughs> really? So, yeah. did, did you watch Caleb, or? Oh, I'm going to go see it this week, yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. The trailers look cool. I mean, it's like the safest form of Lovecraft they can do, right? Well, it's not really Lovecraft. Really okay. bad. Well, it's weird though. I'll, I'll watch it out of curiosity when it hits. Of course, I mean, I'm sure it'll hit Disney Plus in about two and a half months. Um, oh, I should also mention uh, conservative groups, Christian groups are also out there boycotting Lightyear. That was another big Disney movie that flopped. <coughs> no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, true on both counts. But again, it's such a statistical minority um, of those people who are who who are compelled enough to like publicly speak out like that. Now. Now, uh, um, to actually I mean, feel like motivated to be like ah boycott, but 
see this gets complicated because that that might be a statistical minority but i think there's a silent majority who are not down with that stuff either but it's two different groups even even though they happen to agree with each other well the evangelical block is a huge part of the right wing and i feel like they're always out there for censoring stuff like they don't agree with or the, the vocal ones canceling but folks that uh the vocal ones and the true believers but there's a fair amount of evangelicals who 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 would still be open-minded so to speak to some degree to some degree but i don't know i think i think maybe you underestimate the uh conservatism of of today still well, especially someone who grew up around a lot of extremely ra- radical Christians. no but like i said it, it's it gets complicated because you know, there's there's nuances to this because there's a, there's a separation. Like I just said, there's a separation between the the vocal minority of the conservatives and the silent majority. Like they they're they're both kind of on the same side of things. But um, you meet a person from each group who happen to be on the same side, you're gonna find like a, a huge amount of differences in other ways between those two metaphorical people. Well, I I guess that's fair. In terms of cancel culture, I really, I really do think that the right wing is there just as much. They're just more clever in the ways they do it, whereas a lot of left wing people tend to be extremely like emotional, and come off just more irrational. But the right wing are there just with them, just in the opposite direction. It's true, but all you have to know about the current state of things is that there are currently people working in Hollywood, actors and behind the the, the scenes, who are actively afraid of voicing anything conservative where there's virtually no one in that same sphere who's afraid of voicing liberal minded things. That's all you need to know right there. Because then why would there be an an unequal fear if, if in fact, like the insidious right was the one out there doing the canceling? Well, I'd argue that's a a backlash to conservative control for decades in Hollywood behind the scenes maybe in the public eye the actor is really left-wing but behind the scenes all who are producing it for decades were right-wing and so when they were ousted when they're ousted this was kind of a backlash to them I, I don't know if they're i mean classically it's true yes again it was conservatives who, who ruled that domain for for most of the time of hollywood's existence but uh and i think that's kind of what the push modern push representation has been too kind of a backlash to conservative rule i think that's that's how it started that's how it started. But it, it grew. It grew like to like. It grew like the uh, the monster at the end of Akira. Um, <laughs> good, good metaphor. <laughs> however, I was blown away when I was watching a video, um, a video going over the Andor finale today. Um, oh man, it was so good. Oh yes, it was. But this isn't about Star Wars. Um, the during the video because. They, they show something from The Last Jedi. God damn. Um, <laughs> there's this tracking shot on Canto Bite that uh, that what Rian Johnson did, which I had no idea was intended to be like a direct homage to a particular shot in the silent film The Wings. Uh, I mean, Wings. Um, uh, I think that was like 1927 or something, best picture. Uh, and so they were showing the scene, the original scene, and in the original scene, it's like a, it's something like a um, like a saloon slash dinner place, but it's like 1927. Oh, ca- I know where you're the, going. And with the this. camera is tracking over the tables of patrons, 
Um, and there's actually during this shot, what appears to be like um, like a same set, like a like a lesbian romantic couple, um, like right there front and center um, during the tracking shot, and it's just wild for 1927. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty that's not cool. Where I thought you were going. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were about to say like that's the same shot or that's it's not scene for scene but it's like a reference or accurate i use that as a reference in the opening of it uh when um one of the boys goes into the bar uh down there and then he goes to find canada oh oh, right right. i know what you're talking about but yeah that's a whole different scene i mean because yeah no this scene is like in a fancy place tracking through the patronage not like in a cd um um dive bar well, that's just like the reverse of it, though. It, it inverts the scene in a way yeah. of just like, instead of a very fancy place, we go to like a dive bar instead. Um, Caleb, I gotta ask, maybe this is going too far, but like, how how much influence do you think these, these reviewers have of Strange Worlds, if I may ask? Wait, wait, I don't uh, understand the questions. What do you mean? Yeah, reviewers. Or... Uh, yeah, these reviewers, like these, these, as you were saying, these conservative groups, how, how much sway do they have to the public? I guess it's you know, because obviously audiences don't know that. Yeah, I don't. Because they haven't. Oh, I'll, I'll let Caleb, because I have an answer, but I, I'll let Caleb go. Okay. <laughs> oh, among their own ranks, the highly politicalized right-wing Christians. I see. I think they all have a pretty, I think the echo chamber that they're in is big, and a lot of them um, just follow suit, even if they don't understand what exactly they're following suit. Oh, no. So I'm it's sure just... if you get enough high-profile old men to say don't go see this movie a bunch of christians won't go see it so see no, see no evil hear no evil <laughs> again for my parents banned all anime in my house banned pokemon all that stuff because they were saying that oh it's uh, it's bringing in these foreign gods of foreign influences it's all the devil and i knew plenty of young folks in my my christian school who were banned for the same things for same reasons because these crazy old men christian talk radio just deluded old grandpas didn't know what they're talking about but younger christians just followed suit of the elders <laughs> well fair enough all right eric you may you may go no i was just saying i think for the, the those that the most extreme that feel the way i mean it's kind of, i look at it as like the alex jones thing because I, I don't know what alex jones's audience like sizes i'm sure it's, it's something it's gotta be something like you know in terms of like listenership or whatever, I don't I don't know if it's a million, multi million. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean those those people. I mean they're gonna come to the same conclusions regardless of you know if they see um, someone parroting their views like on YouTube or whatever on a review. Like they're like the diehards. But for like someone who's not extremely right um, or more centered, I should say. I, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about it just from a thought experiment point of view. And there, ha- I feel like there has to be, at least in this country, like this getting, like this saturation point of it where people are just getting turned off, you know, independently without having to have a, a commentator or a preacher tell them. I have to think that there's already like um, some loathing of it. Um, and I mean, it's annoying to me in, in, when it comes up in movies, not because of the politics, but because it's often associated with like bad writing or or um, malformed writing and whatever it is. Because 
because you know I watched Lightyear not too long ago, like about a month ago, um, and I was watching it kind of like because I had heard some of that you know bad press, and I was curious about it, and it didn't like completely destroy the movie, but it it, it was just it was just annoying. As opposed to, oh my god, I watched the sample of Ghostbusters 2016, um, like, last night. And that was like watching a train wreck. Like, it seemed a hundred times worse to me watching it now than when I watched it at the movies. In terms of how it hasn't aged well. Um, in, in, like, not just the wokeness. It's not just that. But I mean, just, like, the bad writing. The bad, like, it's so bad. Um, it's It's, like... Like all the jokes fall flat. Like nothing's funny. Like it, it just looks like a complete train wreck. Um, and and yeah, Light Lightyear has like a like I don't know. It's it's like a um, overall the story is like mediocre. It's not like terrible. It's not amazing. And that other stuff was just a little bit annoying. Um, I mean the the whatever the wokeness. But so I'm I'm curious to watch Strange World when it hits streaming, just so I can compare and contrast. And see if it's if I find it that much more obnoxious as compared to Lightyear or something like that. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Hmm. So basically, just confront these people at at the core and see if they like keep ans- asking the same question. If they like break down over it, it's like we got them, eh? <laughs> well, Wait, I don't we, know. If, I don't know if there's much value for? in that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confronting the conservatives. That's what oh, I'm okay. So like, we we confront them on like you know their their opinion, and I keep pressing the answer over and over again until they go insane. I don't know if there's much value. There was a friend of mine, a very close friend, who uh, once he he got married, and when he got married, he became extra extra conservative. And he was, he was like, I remember, you know, there was a few years ago, me and you got this discussion about George Bush and it would, you know, you were kind of, it kind of turned to like this very heated discussion. And he was like, are you against like conservative like governments? Or I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I voted for the NDP, you know, I don't vote conservative. And it made him uncomfortable then. And yeah, then he got pregnant with his, his wife and they're going to have a kid. And he was like, well, you guys, you know. You're not really religious anymore. We can't have non-religious people in our life, so we're cutting you out. Like that, that like minor disagreement about the George Bush thing. It seemed to sit with him. You know, it's like I don't know how much value there is confronting these. Oh these well, folks he's on it. see. Here's the thing. He's he's sinning right there, because you shall not well, judge a person unless you first take the stick out of your own eye, and you should not keep grudges. That's another thing that the Bible says, and he's clearly doing that. That's wrong of him. Yeah, and you know, growing up, my parents would uh, say all the time, you know, you you shouldn't have too many. You have a lot of your questions that you have are kind of like dangerous questions, so you should just take them to to God and kind of keep them to yourself. And so, yeah, I don't. I, those kind of folks, they program themselves to not see outsider points of view. And they're kind of locked into their very rigid kind of their safety net for life. Yeah, but. So. So I don't know how much value you're going to get trying to convince them otherwise. They're they're kind of stuck there, I think. I don't ever go about trying to convince anybody anything. Like, when it comes to, the, like, both sides yeah. of the aisle on that kind of stuff, or even religious stuff, uh, I, I wouldn't try to sway anyone any which way. Um, I mean, nudge someone, um, but that that's completely different than trying to, like, 
convert or something like that. Yeah, openly um, discuss openly discussing ideas is the way to go. But sometimes that's too much for people. Well, I won't even do that with most people. Um, yeah, because usually the deepest discussions I have are like these like off-air situations when I'm podcasting or in the rare time that I meet someone who's who's on the relationship level, some of my podcast friends, I meet someone in real life, you know, we're like having dinner. That's like the only time I would ever broach any topics and go this deeply, like with anyone. Um, with most, with 99% of people I know in the world, I wouldn't even, I don't, shoot, I don't even get into my like deep movie opinions with like most regular people, much less getting into politics or religion or anything else like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a, a similar boat, especially with movie opinions. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm elitist sometimes with my movie opinions. Like some folks just watch movies in a different way, and well, so I don't want to be the 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 downer. <laughs> in a way, my friend, you are. I mean, I I, I can't lop myself into this, but I think you and Eric definitely would be considered film critics. I I'm well, I'm just a, no, I, a novice at that. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think of, I'd like to think of myself as a film critic in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, I don't see why that's a problem. Well, elitist is a different word. <laughs> well, see, Caleb and I were novice elitists, so like that's that's oh, the there story. You go, there you go. No, but like whether it's religion or movies, like I had my my trajectories on both. Like with movie, like with movies, I got woke to movies um, in a good sense, the good version of woke. Um, in 1995 huh is there a good word version of woke well like i've said to caleb a million times when woke when that term first started coming into our lexicon at least the way it came to our lexicon here in the u.s for me my experience of it when it first when people first started saying woke it was like a good thing um because like it, it was it was associated with like neo in the matrix and like realizing that he was like in a simulation and like it was like Hey, when you're woke, like you're actually seeing the world for what it is. That's how it initially started, and then it quickly took a turn uh, to what it to how it's understood now. The wrong people got a hold of it. But when I was first woke to movies, it, it was in 1995, um, and it was because of Pulp Fiction. And shortly after seeing that movie, that's when I started to treat movies like seriously. Because before then, they were just these random things that entertained me. But then after Pulp Fiction, I started to deconstruct things and think of them more critically and, and get into like the um, like uh, like the making of like like direction and cinematography. Like these are all things I'd never thought about until 1995 and afterwards. And I went through this period of approximately five or six years where I, I, I was like I was like a, um, a snobby like. Uh, movie aficionado where I was like oh I won't watch anything you know like unless it's like Oscar worthy or something or like there has to be some merit to it so for five or six years I only saw things that came like highly recommended you know if something was just like some crappy action movie or comedy or horror I would just like completely turn up my nose to it and dismiss it as like pap um, mm-hmm. but then I just got out of that and I was like fuck that no because like there's a place for everything like there's a place for crappy movies and and low budget movies and everything doesn't have to be high minded, and so I've like just completely opened myself up to like you know like judging things on their own individual merits rather than like some pie in the sky like ideal thing. 
There we go. <laughs> That's the way to be. Uh, did you ever watch the show Woke? I've never heard of it. Oh, I never heard of that. No, it's an actual show. It literally oh, is called I Woke. You. Based off of a, uh, a a newspaper strip, of all things. Wow. Came out yeah. in 2020. 16 episodes. Two seasons. I don't remember this. I don't remember this at all. It was on Hulu, apparently. Uh, for you and I, Caleb, it was on FX. Oh. No, I never heard of it. Hmm. No. I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and see, I got the purpose of the woke term when it came out. It was like, oh, you, you become politically aware. But I always just thought, again, it was bad bad branding, bad marketing. It sounded like a term made by like a 20-year-old college well, it student. it probably was. <laughs> yeah. It probably started in the college age. That's not helpful. <laughs> and twenty-year-old college students are the ones doing most of the branding for the, the left wing to some degree, and that's just well, it's the, it's the left wing in everything for the last ten years or so. Uh like like them doing all the branding for like, like everything left wing, but not just that, just whatever's been popular, like like it's it's become the thing to look towards like that age demographic as like tastemakers or something. Huh, interesting. I'd have to think about that. Hmm. I think I'll go grab some more wine then. I guess we get this started here. This is probably going to be somewhat of a long one. I don't, I don't know. Oh, please, please, you assume. Why? Why must you assume? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping not, but I'm assuming that, yeah, potentially my hopes will be dashed. But <laughs> I, would like it to, I would like it to go at least as long as the Titanic one, minus the Titanic fluff. Oh, I definitely have a lot less to say, so that's my, that's, that's my concern, but I'll be right back. <laughs> I thought I didn't have much to say on Titanic, but it's just when you start asking, when someone starts asking like a lot of specific questions, then all of a sudden I got a lot to say about anything. See, I'm excited to see where this is going to go because you've said you've done like Eric, you've said you've done this like what you've done a you've talked about James James Cameron's Avatar for like four times, like yeah, in the past. yeah, something like that, yeah, since it came out in '09. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what you're gonna get from this commentary or this speakeasy, uh, this this run, excuse me, and see like what it's gonna be. What's well, different. it's definitely gonna be different because of the two people I'm podcasting with are a lot different than, than the previous people I was with for those previous discussions. And that's what always I, makes it different. Um, that is the difference part. I guess you're right there. I just thought that I would probably just come across the same as everybody else beforehand. <laughs> you guys drive conversations like very differently from most people other people i podcast with interesting i don't believe you but fair enough that's only good way or a bad way yeah um with other people it's usually like sci-fi parline always comes out to me as like just like a fanish response type podcast like almost like you were just grabbing random people at a fan convention to comment on something that they're into okay i'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong Let's with that. that i'm just saying that yeah. it is what it is um, and then with my uh, my other podcast friends, the ones I met through Doctor Who, um, it's yeah we're fans of the thing we're talking about, but um, but but we're also just like shooting the shit. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, discussing something with a friend like at a bar type situation. But then here it gets a little bit more leading towards the vibe of like an NPR interview or um, like the Charlie Rose show um, or like a more serious minded show. Those kind of programs that used to 
um, ah. talk about movies or interview um, people from movies, the, those more like serious sit down ones. Interesting. So this is, yeah, I get much more of that kind of vibe, especially if it's the two of you together. Caleb, we're probably going to have to expand. Maybe I, this, okay, sorry if this is going to cause a lot of stress in you, but oh, no. maybe we <laughs> should try to like go on somebody else's show next year like at least well once. caleb has already <laughs> oh, i guess so that's fair but like go with people we don't know because like if well, we're that I've like been, i've been very much considering bringing you on for some uh classic doctor who stuff because we've been talking about it for years so i was yeah. like okay i'll show you some stuff because he's never watched any doctor who yeah no so i was like maybe next year i'll, I'll try to do that oh you've not seen any at all not really. Like huh. I remember watching like a scene from like when David Tennant was around back in like oh five or whatever that was, like on the BBC. Wow. Like yeah, I've know. always wanted to show you like some of the the highlights, like Inferno, one of my all time favorite uh, third Doctor stories. I think you'd get a lot out of that. I don't. Okay, don't start me off with that one. Okay, because that's gonna <laughs> like don't, don't, don't give me like start low and not start low, but like you know start off because again, like you said. I'm probably going to like it because it's classic. Uh, and they actually had an idea back then, whereas, like, Doctor Who has no ideas now. So, like... Um, oh, they got... about that. Yeah, they got plenty of ideas. I just don't know how many good ones they've got. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. They don't have any ideas. Yeah, but then also, um, Caleb has one of the most unique opinions of new Doctor Who that I've ever encountered. Yes, so. I listened to it last <laughs> Friday, or on Friday. I heard. So I've heard. Hey, I don't know how unique it is. Maybe, maybe that's just the circle. No, it's unique. Like I've heard all the opinions on Doctor Who that I can handle a new Doctor Who, but yours is singularly the only I've ever encountered who overall has a negative opinion of it overall. That person I have never encountered who 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 gives any care for Doctor Who at all. I've never encountered that person. Huh. Well, to, to back me up, I'm part of some Facebook groups that are classic who only people who are like i watched the first two seasons of the new show and i never watched anymore i hate it well i don't know any of those people except for you <laughs> i don't think those people have a, a right to criticize the show if they've only seen two seasons out of oh certainly yeah, not that, that just seems bizarre to me to because they'll they'll go on like this this show's ruined doctor who like all these young people when i mention i like doctor who they think i'm talking about that other crap show. i think classic doctor who ruined itself ultimately. those guys there's some but, curmudgeons uh, <laughs> well well i don't know about that i think well that's for another day <laughs> even still i'm not trying to i pardon me caleb and eric i'm not trying to sound like i'm sucking my own dick here of like just like oh we're that uh different than everybody else i'm just like i kind of want to test the waters with like people we don't know outside of our, our san antonio friends of like because are we just radicals are we not uh, you know are we liberators or well, crusaders like what are we here invaders, invaders wait who's the we is. uh caleb and i i have the feeling when when me and isaac when we're hosting a show together i feel like we both feel like we need to uh yeah maybe play a more more serious hosting role to guide the show because when I'm on the the Doctor Who stuff, yeah, I feel like I'm in a different place. Like I'll hey. just sit back and it's like, ah, sure. If you're talking about my Doctor Who <laughs> stuff. That doesn't feel like the way it was before. Like, I guess it's because you're talking to some elder trauma trauma survivors. I think is why the vibe is different <laughs> now than it was six years ago. Yeah, basically with Star Trek and the Doctor Who, I I, ba I basically just let you be the director. And I just sit back and be a participant. But with this show, I do feel like I have to direct yeah. to some degree. When I'm directing one of my own things, I just I just don't ever want it 
to be like unfunny or like dead air or figurative dead air. Um, that's the only thing I care about. Like if things go off the rails, as long as it's uh, entertaining in some way, I'm okay with it. When it's not entertaining, that's different. Um, yeah, but, but that might be why maybe me and Isaac have more serious kind of tone to us because you're both trying to guide in some way. Yeah, we had to, I mean, we kind of had to learn a lot uh, from our mistakes, me especially. I had so many mistakes that I still make. Oh, me too. Uh, Fuck. Some of those shows well, I can't go back and listen to. Well, ever. yeah, when, when I first started, I took it all crazy seriously, like as if it was like a job or something. I mean, like an actual paid job that I could get fired from. But the thing <laughs> I learned was, um, like for myself, was like there's no reason to take it so seriously like that. Um, now, not, not everyone can abide by the same rules, though. That was my personal thing, because some people don't have any um, self-awareness or, or or awareness of their own show or whatever. So not everyone can apply those same rules. But for myself, I, I felt, eh, my ethics are good enough, I think, that whatever my brand of on-air comedy is um, to the listeners, it appeals to a certain segment of people, and, and it, it's just going to work for those people. There's no way I'd ever appeal, like, broadly to everyone um but for the people who get my brand like they just get it and it just it just sorts itself out and since this is all non-profit anyway then who cares i mean it is just I mean, for those people yeah that's fair yeah <laughs> absolutely i mean being honest i know we only have like maybe two listeners and that's it oh like, it's definitely more than that but <laughs> i don't think so personally i'm just going by what pod pod podbead says uh, I don't think we have like more than like three listeners, honestly. So, uh, but even then, it's just like I try. You're right, Eric. I don't know if I'm taking it that uh, in the same direction though. As like it's a job. I mean, maybe I am where I could be fired, but I'm just like I just want to be sound professional and like I don't I don't sound like I'm a goof, but I usually come across as a goof anyways. <laughs> uh, I not not on podcasts. <laughs> And, like, you know, I have an egg on my face every now and then. Caleb, you know that uh, you, you've heard me sometimes. Don't worry. And I stutter as well. So it's like, you know, I got I feel like I got a chip on my shoulder. So I'm not really, you're right. Truth I'm not, be told, I'm usually more embarrassed for myself because I end up getting so drunk by the end of some podcast. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I have well, to cut so much. I mean, that's kind of my fault because I pushed you in that direction. No, no, you didn't. So like, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> drove me to alcoholism <laughs> not drove no. you to alcoholism i said i drove you to like start drinking on the podcast which was a mistake i realize now three years oh later. i was waiting hey this is hey this is getting cruel now i'm, now it I'm getting hurt no, I'm mistake. <laughs> well because no, you're saying like i i get so drunk on the boxes i'm like yeah no it's my fault it was a mistake for you for me to say that stuff and you know, I've so, noticed whenever me and sean are on together i feel like we both get much more drunk than we usually do on podcasts <laughs> I feel like we just spur that in us. <laughs> it's weird because Sean gets pretty drunk on everything he does, but it does. It's not always the same result because sometimes That's fair. He, sometimes it's weird. I don't understand it though because sometimes I don't know if it's because he had a heavy meal, but before some podcasts and others he didn't. Because there's times where he seemed perfectly fine to me the whole time, and once we say you know cut like we're done. He'll just be like, oh, man, I'm fucking drunk. And I'll, sometimes I'm like, what? I didn't even notice. But then other times, I mean, yeah, it's as obvious as anything. Because he loses it, like, on yeah. the air. But I don't understand how that works, though. It's so different. I guess that's fair. How often, Kip, I mean, this is, uh, this is a little too much, but how much do you, like, do the reefer? Me? On the podcast? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, um, ever since our book club episode with Johnny, the first time when we did that, that bonus, I've never smoked pot on air again. 
Wait. I got way too stoned and I was like, could barely keep up with the conversation. Wait, the proto episode or the one during Felidae? Uh, it was the proto one when we, when we made the book club. Oh golly, I didn't know you were stoned for that one. Yeah, I got so, so stoned and I was just gone. And whenever the mic would turn to me, I would be like, oh, wait, what? What's go? Oh, and I'd try to catch myself up. Oh, holy and... shoot, now I gotta go back and listen to that one. <laughs> Yeah, it's an it's an embarrassing one for me. I could I couldn't go back to that. <laughs> so I was just gone. And wow, new content. It's one of those ones where I remember all the stuff that I edited out, so it makes it worse because I'm like, oh, I remember how much of a fuck up I was. I was just supposed to yeah, die. I could not have told. I you could have like just been like, yeah, I was stoned. I would have not known. Like it went over my head. Yeah, so I've never smoked pot again. Podcasting ever since then. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll just take it to you, Eric. Have you ever gotten stoned on a podcast? No, uh, been recorded as well. No, no. Fa- famously, I've never used any controlled substance ever, non-prescribed ever. I'm a complete blank slate when it comes to that. Uh, no oh, here we life, go. Here we go. It's, it comes there's no Isaac. need for that. There's no need for <laughs> that, that. That's me giving applause. Although, actually, I guess this is more applause, whereas like this is sarcasm. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Edit that clapping out. Yeah, Isaac's in the same boat. Um, uh, but drunk. It's. It, I've got really inebriated a few times during podcasts. I mean, literally a few. Um, um, so there's not more than three or four times where you, it's readily apparent. Uh, but the one that I really lost it is on my Doctor Who podcast when we're doing commentaries on uh, Pirate Planet. Uh, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I've completely lost it on mic, and I just left it in and, and put it out there. Um, where, yeah, I just lost my mind, and it was just... Yeah, I was gone for like 15, 20 minutes. Wasn't that last, wasn't the last episode, like the fourth one, wasn't that completely like done on a different day? With oh, else? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, yeah, yeah. Those were, yeah, those were done on different days. Like we did like the first two, maybe on the same day, maybe. And then the other ones were done. Yeah, completely different time with, oh, with okay. different So I thought of you guys got too drunk. I was like, oh, they must have just had to abandon that one. No, we just did what we, we intended to break it up like that. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah, I got completely blitzed, and uh, again, I for like ten, fifteen minutes, I just while other people were talking, I just kept saying, "I love Karen Gillan. I love Karen." <laughs> oh no! Oh, I love Amy. I love Karen Gillan. A lot of that, <laughs> over and over. I mean, she's quite attractive. Though, Must have had like uh, the Blu-ray sitting looking at you or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. She has nothing to do with Pirate Planet. <laughs> You're just trying to think of things that make you happy because Pirate Planet sucks ass. <laughs> it's not my least favorite at all of that season. Wow. Oh, wow. From that season. Wow. Armageddon. Uh, What's that last one called? Yeah, it's the Armageddon Factor, I think. Factor. Thank you. Yeah. That one is pretty bad. You know what's funny about oh, that? shit. I was thinking of Power Crawl, not uh, Pirate Planet. Crawl is a terrible one. Yeah. Um... Armageddon factor that I noticed when I was making the uh, the the still thumbnails for the episode uh, for the podcast that um, the main bad guy in that episode like whatever the military guy in uniform because I was doing I was taking thumbnails and screenshots of that and he looks just like uh, what's his name his name Char from uh, Gundam the original Gundam. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah and I was like, wait a second. And, like, their uniforms are remarkably similar. Like, the epaulets and, like, the design and, like, the 
like the Decromaw, and and that episode came out around the same time as Gundam, the original Gundam. And so I was like, wait, who's co- someone's copying someone? I'm going to say <laughs> probably Japan. Right. I mean, that's usually the way it goes yeah, when it's but, East West. Yeah. But then, wait a second. Were they actually like that big on like Doctor Who in those days that someone was seeing it enough that they'd get influenced? You know, that's a good question now that you say that. Like, that's, that's wild. Um, but compare the uniforms of Char and that dude, and there's almost too many coincidences to be a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, Worth looking into. One day I'll jump into Gundam. I, I mean, I don't listen to it still, but I, I, quite, I quite like that song. It was the closing credits of Tenet. Oh my goodness, that's such a good song! By it's like one of the best Travis Scott songs ever. <laughs> I thought it went well with the movie itself, and like the movie, um, I was one of those people, and I wasn't the only one. I guess it was designed this way. The song that if you listen to the lyrics before watching the movie the lyrics will mean one thing to you but then once you've seen the movie and know what it's all about then when you go back and listen to the song like the lyrics take on a different meaning um and i thought that was really interesting though you have to read the lyrics because sometimes right right well that's not <laughs> unfortunately how, like nolan movies themselves sometimes you'll never know what certain characters say at times until you get to watch the captions at home months later that was so funny especially when i like told my parents when we were gonna watch when i was showing them tenant i was like okay i'm gonna turn on subtitles because when caleb and i watched this we had to like there were some things that we didn't pick up on because there was no subtitles so like yeah you guys are gonna watch subtitles darn you caleb for making me finally like accept subtitles forever hey blame nolan he did it on purpose that's (laughs) fair he yeah. certainly did. Anytime me and Sean talk about a Nolan movie, this su- subject comes up, and Sean fucking hates it to the end of the world. Uh, inaudible dialogue in a movie, he he hates it. It's a fair complaint. <laughs> in some, and I get that it's intentional on Nolan's part, but in some ways, it feels negligent. Like it's, I mean, maybe that's your stylistic choice, but it's going to alienate audiences. Why would you? I mean, unless your purpose is to alienate the audience, which I don't know how helpful that is for him. <laughs> si- sidebar. I was one of those people who saw the exclusive teaser for the opening of... Uh, Me too. Um, yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Same. Yeah, I was one of the people who saw that and heard that dialogue version versus the way they made it for the release. And I actually mm-hmm. found the release version a little bit more distracting. Um, but... Me too. As my cousin was pointing out recently when we were watching some of Dark Knight Rises... Maybe there's some aspect of it that works in in the redone version, um, because what we were noticing when we were watching it not too long ago is whenever Bane speaks in the the pro, the the released version, he always sounds center channel. Like yep. other characters in the mix sound like wherever they're supposed to be, but he always sounds dead center. And as we were watching it with my sound setup. It actually sounds like Bane is talking in your head because he's always center channel. And I was like thinking, oh, well, maybe that works in a weird psychological way that the character always sounds like he's speaking like right inside your head. And yeah, I don't know. Definitely sounds unnatural, though. When Isaac was asking like about Reefer and this and that and how (laughs) I'd never done anything and addendum to that. I'm actually like the one kid. You've heard of that famous thing from the '80s about the um, a Nancy Reagan "Just Say No" campaign. Yeah, 
Everyone jokes about it now. I didn't do anything and it was pointless. I am the one kid that it spoke to that I heard that messaging when I was that age in the 80s and I just went, okay. And then that's it. That was it. So I'm the one, I'm the poster child for for the, the Nancy Reagan uh, campaign. I mean, to be fair, Eric, I'm also kind of in that same vein uh, when it came to like all the obesity ads in the early 2000s for kids programming uh, where they were like, yeah, like, you know, exercise and don't eat junk food and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right. And that may or may not have been like a bad thing because I'm actually like pretty thin. Not thin. Okay, not thin, but like, you know, I'm not exactly like obese. So it's like. They were always, like, trying to fight obesity and, like, say you gotta always eat healthy. Yeah. It's, like, I'm the opposite where I, like, me and Caleb, we could just eat, like, anything we want and we won't get, you know, uh, yeah, gains. Damn it. I was like you guys when I was young. And, damn it. See, if anything got me on the straight path for the most part, it was going to basic training. Because <laughs> all the shit that they told us... I, I wish a lot of that programming like still stuck in my head because I know everyone says you get brainwashed. You do get brainwashed. Yeah, there's psychology behind it. We get it. But I wish some of that brainwashing like stuck with me because they brainwashed me for a good time, uh, a good amount of time of like being pretty health conscious. And it was pretty good. And I wish it would have. <laughs> but, but my human genes are not my human genes, but my... My will was stronger. <laughs> and so that programming sadly went away. But I wish it would have stayed, though. Because, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely the biggest thing I missed about being in the military was being in the greatest shape of my life. Missed. Yeah, having discipline and, you know, being able to do that stuff. Well, that and then, you know, well, that's the other reason I was in the military. I mean, why it was good for me. Besides having good, healthy habits, uh, the other good thing was because left to my own devices, I am not an organized person um, at all. I, I'm one of those organized chaos kind of people, but not truly organized. Um, and the military forced me to be pretty semi-organized for the time I was in it. And I wish that would have stuck with me more, too. But, but yeah, my human habits far outweighed that um, in the long run. The, the two things I was thinking about as it pertains to this technology in this movie, this cloning technology and implantation of thoughts, the, the, the two references out there in other materials was the prestige yep. and man, altered carbon. Yeah. I've only watched the Netflix series. I haven't read the actual novels, but that takes a deep dive into like the moral quandary of this type of technology and all the possibilities and yeah and that is quite fascinating in altered carbon it really is yeah highly recommend that at least that first season i couldn't get through the second one but the second one it was okay once i finished it but not nearly overall as satisfying as the first season what eric is referring to uh is a really cool trope and our cool you know science fiction idea or just the fiction idea uh what i call cl cloning blues um well, especially, this is a little, actually what I'm thinking of is differently, because this was in a comic I read called Witch, uh, where the one of the main characters, she clones herself, but the clone gains, like, gains, like, their own, like, sentience almost, and self-awareness, and she doesn't want to, like, you know, 
be popped out of existence because it's one of those magical clones. So you just like pop them mm. out of existence without any problems. And it actually ended on a very like interesting note without it. I think I maybe the creators realized it, but the way they handled it, I was like, holy smokes, this is actually kind of heavy. Of like they're talking about existence in and of itself with just with these clones, and I'm like, and the same thing with can be said with Ray and Evangelion uh, about I'm you know I'm not a doll, I'm not replaceable or anything like that. And so it's kind of interesting, but obviously yeah, it's not neither here nor there. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, if they do have this technology to clone themselves, yeah, why don't they just do it? Because why would they? They got so many people to feed already. Also, the immortality thing I feel is also maybe stupid, but whatever. Karen Gillan just had this movie that just came straight to Hulu um, about a month ago called Duel. And in the whole movie, it's like an independent black comedy sci-fi type thing. Um, and the whole movie comes across as like it could be an individual episode of um, Black Mirror. Hmm. Uh, because she basically lives in our world. I mean, the world is the same as ours. But um, so I know this has nothing to do with Avatar. Feel free to cut this. But in this movie, Duel, Karen Gillan, she's married. Everything's fine. Well, not fine, but it's okay. But she contracts some mysterious terminal disease. And her doctor tells her, like, there's 99% chance you're done. Could be a month or to a year, but, but you're done. And so she's dealing with that news. And then she sees these ads for this company that provides clones for you like if you die um and if you sign up for this service they take your insurance money and they make a perfect clone of you and the clone um has all your base memories but but before you die it learns all the nuances about you and your habits and things and then when you pass the clone will take your place um so she signs up for this service and in her dying days like her, as her clone is trying to learn to, to really be her, it turns out her husband and her mother like her clone version much more than they actually like her. Um, Cause her clone is just like a more agreeable version, but spoiler or wait, should I spoil the movie? No, no. never mind. Never mind. But things happen that go sideways without spoilers. Yeah. And uh, last year, uh, a very, very similar sounding movie came out called Swan Song on Apple TV with uh, uh, that guy from the 4400 and, and the new Blade. I always forget to say his name. Oh, Marshala Ali. Yes, him. Yeah, excellent <laughs> movie, Swan Song. Definitely recommend that. And has some really interesting uh, clone discussions there. But but ultimately, the question comes up again. Uh... I feel Sean sighing, even though he's not here. But um, but in Star Trek, one of the biggest questions has always been with transporters. That every time our characters transport, going back to um, the Prestige, once someone transports in Star Trek, is it just essentially a carbon copy of the original and the original perishes during the transportation? It's just this is a perfect copy, memories intact. Or does somehow the soul of the original person itself transport intact into the new body? Nobody knows. But if you look at how the transporter works on paper, it seems like it eviscerates and destroys the original person and brings back a copy. So it seems like every character in Star Trek dies 
every time they trans use the transporter. Yeah, and supposedly, I don't know, but supposedly, like some years ago, Warner Brothers was trying to wipe out um, Speedy Gonzalez, like kind of like sweep the character under the rug, and supposedly. Mexican and Latin peoples were like, what are you doing? This is like our favorite Warner Brothers character. Like, and so that's why he still survived. Pretty sure they hated his, their, his cousin more. Oh my God. I didn't even know his cousin existed until about eight months ago. I don't think I did. That's so weird because I. And it cracked me up. I mean, it's so over the top, but it also cracked me up to no end. <laughs> Speaking of Titanic, did y'all hear that that in recent news that Cameron uh, fielded that scientific study to see if it would have been possible? I heard about that. I, I saw that article. For both um, Rose and Jack to survive on that door. Oh, boy. And, yeah, that's... and the study concluded that it would not have been possible for both of them to lie on that board and stay afloat. This man took the time to prove his... Uh, to prove his decision, and thus he has science backing up by him. Never underestimate science.